Hi, good morning, folks. I want to thank you for uh, for joining us, and uh, I'm excited for uh, the study of Mark. As we start today with chapter 1 of Mark, um, it gives us something to look forward to. It gives us something to plan, right? Something that we can, uh, can sink our teeth into and look forward to together and know that we're going to be doing this over the next 16 weeks. It grants some continuity maybe in a world that, that doesn't feel like it's very contiguous right now. Uh, I want you to grab your study Bibles, grab some, some notes, some time with, uh, with friends around a small group setting, things like that over the next 16 weeks to really dive into Mark and learn how to, to take the Bible apart for yourself, to read it, to examine it, apply it, and pray about it. That's what, what REAP is all about. And that's one of the videos that we sent out this past week. We're going to send them out again, and, and they're on our website in a small group page so that you can be, be studying God's Word for yourself. I hope that these sermon series gives you a, a, a great platform to kind of dive into the Word from. So as I have looked at uh, Mark and in chapter 1 and listened to some other studies and things, just a couple of quick facts jumped out to me that, that maybe would be of interest to you and, and interesting if you already know them. But we're going to start with that the book of Mark is probably the, the first gospel that was written. And we can tell that because Matthew and Luke, I believe it is, also follow along the same narrative that Mark wrote, and about 31 verses of Mark are not quoted in one of those other two Gospels. And so, so what Mark did was record this action-packed book for us. It records these quick bursts of stories for seven or eight chapters and then really digs into to what Jesus did for us in the final eight chapters or so. So, we're going to dive in the first week here with a bunch of different stories about Jesus's ministry and his purpose. Why did he do what he did? And the author sometimes goes by the name of John Mark. You might see that listed in some other places. He was not one of the original 12 disciples. He was a guy that, that we believe got most of his information from Peter, who was with Jesus throughout his entire ministry. Peter we're going to meet uh, right here in the first chapter of Mark as he was one of the first disciples that was called. The book begins uh, with John the Baptist uh, in prison and, and we read some of these things about who John was and, and how he ended up in prison and a little bit about who Jesus uh, is to him. He's kind of a cousin to John the Baptist literally. Uh, and so, so John the Baptist was the guy that was going to prepare for Jesus to come. And so those first few verses in that chapter are about John the Baptist. And then as we begin with him in prison here, Jesus looks at his disciples now and, and says, John's basically prepared the way, right? Now he's in prison and my time has come. And so Jesus starts his ministry here in Mark chapter 1. Mark records this for us. And he goes about it by, by walking along the Sea of Galilee in chapter 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, 
and his brother Andrew casting a net into a lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And so we, we are right here at the beginning of Mark in chapter 1, verse 16, and Jesus is now beginning to lay the groundwork for what it is that he's going to do. And right away, he pulls these four men. He calls them uh, to follow him. One simple statement, right? Come follow me. You know, Jesus still makes that same ask of you and I, that, that we would listen to his voice, that we would follow him. Uh, if, you, if you look at Twitter, if you see, see Facebook or Instagram, everyone now is enamored with followers, right? The more followers, the better. But Jesus handpicked these first few. He settled on 12 initially, that he would be part of their life for three years. He'd surround himself with these four men, Simon, Peter, Andrew, and then James and John. They were the first four that he called. They were just common men, and he used a common language to relate to them. Why? They were fishermen, right? There they are along the Sea of Galilee, casting nets, fishing, mending nets, doing all of those things. And Jesus comes along and says, come follow me and I will have you do the same thing that you are doing, but for a higher purpose. I'm going to have you fish for people. He called these common men in their common language, used exactly what they already knew for his purposes. He he just pivots this thought. He says, I will take what you already know, and I'm going to use it for my glory. I'm going to make you fishers of men, fishers of people. I'm going to, I'm going to send you out, and you're going to reap the harvest of, of what a fisherman does. You're going to bring them back in your nets and, and bring them back to me. He develops this kind of small group of men to, to attack a, a purpose and a higher calling that, that he has. People are a huge piece of what Jesus's ministry is about. And, and as he relates to different ones, we're going to see that in these stories as he bounces around, especially through the beginning of Mark. There's so many stories that he interacts in different ways, in different situations. And, and I wanted to introduce you to something that I saw in just this chapter one. So first he calls these four men he brings them in through a common language and sets them about a common purpose. These are going to be his disciples. These are going to be the people he spends time with. That his goal was not to, to change the world by coming in on the clouds and saying, bow down to me. He did it by taking ordinary men that had ordinary lifestyles 
and teaching them how to help others to be on purpose for what Jesus was doing. He changed their lives by using what they already knew and applying it for Jesus' glory. The great thing about that passage, too, is that there was an immediate response. Simon and Andrew, right? Peter and Andrew um, immediately follow him. It says that James and John actually leave their father standing in the boat. So imagine this. You're working with your dad. Family business, okay? Fishing is your life. Some guy walks down the beach. You know maybe a little bit about him. You might have seen him before, but he walks down the beach and he looks at you as you're standing with your dad in the boat and says, come follow me. And you, as James and John, just jump out of the boat, leave the nets lay, and let your dad stand there with the other employees. That was the immediate response, the impact that Jesus had on these men's lives. As he called them into a relationship with him, it was sudden, but it was intentional. Sometimes we can do things sudden and rashly, and it doesn't seem like it's very intentional, but Jesus knew that this needed to be sudden, that, that, that as they come into contact with Jesus, something had to change dramatically, but it was going to be intentional. He's going to take them, what they already know, and apply it to his glory. And so he has this small group that he's developing, and and he develops a group of 12, and he begins his ministry, and, and we see him do some things with these 12 disciples, right? If you read through, and you've already read through the book of Mark, you see that he's, that he's done a couple of different things. He's healed some folks. He has, he has started to make a name for himself in the synagogue, and, and he's visited these places, and larger crowds have begun to amass because of what Jesus can do, not necessarily because of who he is, um, but because of what he can do. The disciples begin to see this, and they've witnessed it now, and now he has his entire group around him, right? And, and in verse 35 through 39, this small group and Jesus are obviously off together, as Jesus has done. And Jesus gets up very early in the morning in verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companion went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. It's interesting to me that, that Jesus handpicks these men, that he calls them, that he allows them to understand, man, I'm going to use what it is that you're good at for my glory, and he's spending time with them in this circumstance, and he withdraws by himself 
And we see this regularly. This is one of the themes that will come up, and we'll hit on it a lot because Jesus would pull away by himself, even though he only had this group of 12 disciples even in this moment, he would pull away early in the morning to spend time with his Father, to pray, to refresh, to to get ready for the day. Why? Because of what the disciple says right here. When Simon finds him, he's in this solitary place preparing, and they're excited. They're, they're maybe even alarmed. It says they exclaim that everyone is looking for you. And Jesus knows, and if you read through the story, that as the crowds grow, it's going to become more difficult for him to be about why he came. After just a few evidences of his power, after a few opportunities as you read through, you see him heal some folks, you see him change some things inside of Galilee, um, his, his persona in that known region is changing and that there are people are looking for him because of what he is capable of doing. And in our world again, right, you would think this is a good thing. His, his disciples are even saying, man, why aren't we out there with them? Everyone is looking for you. Why are you over here by yourself? Don't you know you have all these followers? And Jesus looks at them and he says to them, why don't we go somewhere else where I can do what I am supposed to do, where I can preach the way I'm supposed to preach, where I can tell people why I'm here. You know, Peter, uh, by the description that we see in the Gospels, is pretty rash and impulsive, and so it's funny that he's the guy that, that jumps in here, right? He's the one that's exclaiming, uh, everyone's looking for you. I can see Peter being so excited that there's a crowd that, that he's been called to follow Jesus. He's been part of these healings and these these demons that have been driven out of people. He's watched Jesus do these things, and now he's excited that we're, we're beginning to, to have a following Jesus, that, that this is the thing that you're here for, right? This is what you're doing. And, and Jesus says, no, remember, I'm here to preach. Let's go somewhere else so that I can tell people about my Father and be about my Father's business. And I can just hear Peter kind of saying to himself, well, man, you wanted me to fish for men. You said that's what we were going to do. And now the fish are literally coming to us and you want to leave? It's something about how Jesus knew that they wanted him for what he could do, not for why he had come. Because he came with the ability to change people's reality. And we have an opportunity this Saturday even to, to unload a thousand boxes of food, right? We're, we've just done that yesterday. We, we had an opportunity to do that, to hand out all of this food to people and, and help in the reality. But I hope that, that in the long run they knew why we did it. Because Jesus loves us. Because he gives to us 
and then through him, right? From him we receive, through him we give back to our community so that he is glorified. And that was something that Peter was learning. That even though the fish were coming to them, it mattered why they were coming. And Jesus needed them to understand that. That he had not come just to fix temporary physical conditions. That yes, he was going to be able to have the power to do that and he was going to exhibit who he was as God, the Son, by manifesting that ability. But none of that would matter. If he fixed all of the world's earthly flaws and the temporary conditions of our bodies, it wouldn't matter because eternity would be lost. And Jesus flat out says, I know everyone's looking for me, but I got to do what I'm supposed to do. I've got to go tell people about eternity. We're going to move into the next verse here and see how that story is encapsulated because we're going to have to jump through story after story after story through the book of Mark here as it's so fast and action-paced. I want you to set up for yourself this foundation that, that Jesus set up his 12, his intimate group that he wanted to see all of who he was and why he was doing what he was doing. And he would take time to, yes, heal people, but he would also take time with his disciples to explain why it was important he did it the way he did it. He would tell these stories, these parables to large crowds, yes, but he would also take time to explain them to his disciples in a small and intimate group so that they would then help lead people to an understanding of who Jesus really and if we want to be like Jesus, then we've got to understand this. In verse 40, verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand. He touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the, rep the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. But Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell us, tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But instead he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is a question that you have to answer for yourself. This is something that even the, 
the man with leprosy comes and doesn't quite fully understand. He comes and he's got a condition that has ostracized him from the community. His leprosy has caused him to be excommunicated from his family. He can't make sacrifices in the temple. He has lost all of his life, basically. He's in a community of other lepers, and that's the only companionship he knows. And he comes and he looks at Jesus and he says, if you are willing, then you could heal me. I find it interesting that the word indignant is used. That Jesus is like, of course I'm willing. It's not that I don't want to heal your body, but you've got to understand that's not why I'm here. That this is only a temporary solution for you. I can fix your physical body, but you're still going to decay. That we're still going to break down. That your physical nature is such that it is appointed unto man to die once. We're going to die. Physically, we can't stop that. We think that if we have the answer in a bottle, it would be to just have eternal life here as it is on earth, right? That we would find that fountain of youth and that would be the solution. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not why I'm here. I want to do these things. And yes, I am willing and I'm going to do this, but I don't want you to tell anybody because I don't want people all over the place thinking that that's why I'm here. One of the other things that I didn't discuss in the other passages that I want you to read is how when Jesus enters these places like the synagogue, when he, when he heals uh, the people of the demonic oppression that they're feeling, that he casts out these demons, these demons draw attention to who he is. They make a scene, right? They say, hey, this guy can do what you want to do. It's almost as if they're the neon sign pointing to who Jesus is, right? To draw attention to his ability to heal people. That happens here because the leper goes immediately and starts to talk freely with other people. He opens up about what Jesus did and what he's capable of doing and the reason that I point this out is because Jesus called this small group together, right? He's going to spend life, and we know from the end that, that he's going to do life with these 12 men for three years. He's going to have an incredible impact on the, the world, but these 12 men get a front row seat to everything. They're going to walk with Jesus. They're going to talk with Jesus. They're going to ride in boats with Jesus. They're going to watch him do powerful things. And they're going to listen to the why behind who he is. And as we find ourselves here in the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, why is that important? Because as a result of what was going on in the ministry of what he was capable of doing, people were following, right? They were doing what our world would aspire to, that we would have as many followers as possible, that we would have as many likes and hits in a common, in a week that as, as possible, right? But Jesus saw that as something that detracted from why he actually came. 
because he came to preach. He wanted to go and, and tell people why he has come, that he has come to set them free from the bondage of sin and guilt, that he can change eternity, that he's going to die on a, on a cross for our eternity. It's so much more impactful than just changing uh, our reality. This sentence at the end, there are a couple of sad statements uh, throughout Scripture. And if you've listened to any of my sermons in the past, you know that Genesis chapter 3 to me is one of the, the saddest as Jesus is in the garden, as God is in the garden with Adam and Eve. And uh, he's looking for them and they hide from him, right? This is another one of those passages for me that, that as, as Jesus calls Simon and Andrew and James and John and begins to pull them into life as he knows it and he reveals what he's capable of and then these groups show up and even his disciples are like, hey, everyone's looking for you. Isn't this great? He knows what it means. And, and this sentence here at the end of this passage in Mark chapter 1, that as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places. And even as he stayed outside in those, those lonely places, still people came to find him. They came because they knew what he could do. I want you to know what Jesus can do. Jesus can change your reality. I've seen it happen. I've watched people listen as Simon, Peter, James, and John, Andrew, as, as, as they listened and they heard Jesus say, come follow me. It was sudden. There was an intentional change in their life. They dropped everything and they followed Jesus. I've seen that happen. I know it's possible. I know that Jesus could do that for you. If you haven't had an opportunity to, to really sit down and listen to it, I encourage you to read Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. Just the simplicity of it, right? Jesus walking alongside the sea and looking. And have you ever heard those words? Have you ever understood that Jesus wants you to follow him? And as you follow him, you're going to learn things, right? And, and you may get enamored. And Simon Peter is, is so excited about the crowds and about what Jesus is capable of that he wants to tell everybody, right? And he gets so excited about being part of what Jesus is doing in people's lives, that he doesn't see that, that the people, these crowds, these large groups, that, that they don't quite understand who Jesus is. Peter is going to have an opportunity to reflect on that throughout the three years that he spends with Jesus, but it's not really going to hit him until that famous night where he denies Jesus three times, right? The opportunity 
to watch Peter go from leaving his fishing nets to being so excited to cutting off Malchus's ear in the garden and then denying Jesus. That's Peter's cycle inside of who Jesus, Jesus made him to be. We all have that kind of growth and opportunity in us, in, in all of us as well. We have an opportunity to listen, right? Listen to those words, come and follow Jesus. Get excited about what he can do. Of course, he can change your reality because every day when you get up, I pray that you understand that there is hope, that there is another day, that you've been given another day. You get to do some of the things that God has called you to do, that you use what you've been created to do for God's glory, that these fishermen were going to use a common goal, a common language that Jesus employed to tell them what he wanted them to do. I need to make you into fishers of men. We all have that opportunity to follow him and get excited about what he's doing, but I hope that we don't lose sight of the fact that that Jesus spent time alone with God, first and foremost, to refocus, that he was here not just to change physical manifested problems, not just to change uh, the earthly flaws that we all possess, but he wasn't here to set right what all was wrong in this world, but that his goal was to bring us into a relationship with him, just as he did with that 12, to walk us through, to disciple us, to spend time with us, to disciple us to a place where we really understand why he was here. You know, we're going to look at another couple of stories here in the next few weeks, and we're going to continue to visit this theme. We're going to look at how Jesus weaves reality and eternity together. I know I use those words a lot, but I can't think of a better way to depict our world, that we exist constantly in these two tracks, inside of our world, yes, but always yearning for something more. And that's what Jesus is for us. He is that intersection. As we have our relationship centered on him, we have that intersection with what God intended for us from the very beginning and what he hopes to see for us at the end that we have everlasting life with him who calls us by name. As he reaches out to us, as we're in our busy work, as we're doing what it is that we're doing, and you hear him say, come follow me. Listen. Listen to that voice. Dive into the book of Mark with us. Spend some time journeying with these men understanding that, that Jesus is not always easily to be found. He's not going to just show up in the main spaces of our world, right? It says that he could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in the lonely places, and yet those who were willing still sought him out. They went looking for him. And he changed their lives. And he changed their eternity. I pray that that would give you hope that as you face this week, you would be encouraged. Again, thank you for your support. I pray that you read Mark along with us, that this is just the foundation, that we get to, to dive into what it was that Jesus did in these men's lives and for us. Father, thank you so much for loving us. 
Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts today, that you would give us strength. Lord, thank you for calling us, for, for using the things that we know already for your glory, that you have created and designed us to fit in a way that is uniquely us into a plan that is all about you. Lord, thank you for loving us. I pray that, that as you draw us into relationship, we seek you out. That as we understand more about your word, it draws us closer to you. That we would understand more the why behind why you came. That we would deeply dive into being part of that in this world. Lord, I pray for these folks as they continue to worship you through reading of your scripture and listening to your word. I pray that we can all apply this in a way that brings glory to you. In Jesus' name.